All right, you guys, thanks for joining another episode of Dropping Dimes. Today's guest, Tyler Gibbons, the face behind all the digital content that you see for Real Salt Lake, the digital director, the big man in the house. Aww. What's going on? West Coast, California. Yeah, yeah, they have the YG playing for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know who was on our flight back to Salt Lake City, coming back from L.A. for the 4th of July? Migos. Logic. Uh, logic? Logic. You don't know anything about logic, yeah. though, do you, Sasha? Yeah. It was so funny, though, because my buddy Matt Gash was like, look at that guy wearing this big old oversized jersey. I, like, man, Nintendo gaming must have gotten really big lately. He's got a big posse with him. And I was like, guy, he looks really familiar. I couldn't put it together. And then it was logic. I didn't get a picture with him. I would have. I've got all of my albums. I was going to say, did you get I, a picture? No. I... I'm around enough celebrities that I understand privacy is nice. Yes. I ran into Dale Earnhardt Jr. in Hawaii over the break. How was that? It was weird because we're in this bar, right? And there's probably four total people in the bar. It's me and my girlfriend, him and his newlywed wife. And I'm looking around like, oh, my God, it's Dale Earnhardt Jr. Like, I know who that is. Like, nobody else knows who this is. He's a nice dude. He starts starts sitting there. Buys us drinks, and we have a nice conversation for about 20 minutes or so, right? And my girlfriend and his fiance get up and go to the bar, and I had told him what I was doing. And he goes, so you know who I am? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> no, duh. I know who you are. And he's like, you're not going to post anything on social media, are you? And I was like, of course not, man. I get it. Like, every once in a while, you just got to let humans be humans. Yeah. And so he was like, I appreciate that. They get back from the bathroom. He goes, don't worry, I got this. We had, like, four drinks, like, me and my girlfriend. And so, like, total, it was probably, like, 70 bucks between party of four. He just hands the waitress a $100 bill, fresh, clean $100 bill, <laughs> and then goes, oh, yeah, here's one for you. So we handed the girl $200. She got, like, a $130 tip, which is really cool. Like, you could tell, like, that made that waitress's day. Like, oh, yeah. my God, like, sweet. Like, this is awesome. And he just walked out the building. Nobody knew who he was but me. Yeah, Crazy. you're lucky I wasn't there. I would have been like, yo, you got an extra hundred for me? <laughs> I'm struggling over any, here. Give any more of those to go around, please. How was it, though? Like, what did you guys talk about? Just life and what we were doing. And we were in Kauai. So that's where we spent the New Year's and just kind of getting away from humans, which was nice. You need to just get away, do some hiking, get on the beach, detox, relax, and that's what they were doing. Turns out they had literally just gotten married a couple days before. They flew out, lost their luggage. That's so funny. I was like, I think you can afford some new clothes. Don't worry about it. I'm not too worried about you. <laughs> Why didn't you give him any of yours? You guys are like besties. Nah, I'm a little bit smaller Shirt than the he best. is. I know, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit bigger than I am. So. so what's the one celebrity you would fanboy out over? Oh, that's the last time I... And get a photo. Yeah. No, I never will cross That's that line. That's what I'm line. saying. I will never cross none. that line okay. of getting a photo. But the last person that I geeked out on when I was starstruck was Dwayne Wade. Yeah. 2012? Yeah, 2012 at ESA. I was working for ABC4, and it was year one or year two of the big three. And it was the first time into Salt Lake City. So I got there early, and Dwayne Wade's my favorite basketball player of all time. So that's the That's crazy. Like, I, he's like the band you discover in high school before they become like super popular. He was like <laughs> my Blink-182 because like I went and saw him play when he was a redshirt freshman before he was anybody at Marquette. Because gotcha. my aunt, she lived out there, so she took me to a game and I was like, oh, this guy. I don't know where he, this guy's going to go, but that's my, I love this guy. He's my new favorite player. Did Next you tell year, he was going to be a Hall of Famer? No. No. But I knew he was good. Yeah. He just. The way he carried himself and the way he played, he probably had like 25 points that game. And then the next year they went to the Elite Eight, all that kind of stuff. So he's my like, he's my dude. Like I've been following that guy forever. I'll argue about him all day, all night. He's better than Kobe. Oh no! Right well, hold up, yeah, hold is. up! Don't, don't ever, don't, don't, don't go me. there. I will don't go, go there. there. All right, but regardless, we're getting in, the, and so <clears throat> I'm setting up, and I'm like. It's wintertime, and at ABC4, I used to wear, like, some ties every now and again. I'd have, like, the tucked-in shirt, and then other days I'd walk in looking like I just got off the ski hill. But whatever. <laughs> Today was one of those days where I was dressed pretty nicely. And so 
I'm walking in and I have my shirt rolled up and it's this little skinny tie white shirt combo. And all of a sudden the heat bus rolls in and I don't notice it. I'm just kind of in my own zone, making sure all the audio and all the videos working. And I look up and Dwayne Wade rolls in and he's got his headphones on. He takes his headphones off and looks at me and goes, Hey man, dope tie. And I just went, I couldn't say anything. I was just like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Like, that's just it. And he just put his headphones back on, kept walking. So I've asked questions to a bunch of like Uber, super famous athletes, but that's the last time I was just like, let me pick myself up. Yeah. So whose team was it? Dwayne Wade's or LeBron's? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably LeBron's. <laughs> I think, you know, it's Wade City was LeBron's team. Just, you know, he's one of the top three or four best players of all time. Can't argue it anymore. And you got to embrace it. And, you know, Dwayne probably follow falls in that, like, top 25. And that's a big separation. You know, like, top three, top four between top 25. You, you put him that high, time. huh? Over Drexler and those types of folks? Oh, oh Yeah. Wade's got three titles, won one by himself, and the other two as, you know, the second best player at the time, probably in the league. All right, so we've been having this conversation the last couple weeks here. What defines a super team? And then I also want to say LeBron James said that he's (laughs) never created or been on a super team, hence Miami. Mm. I would say a super team consists of three individuals or more that could drag their team to the playoffs if they were the only quote unquote great player on that team. So you look at Chris Bosch, every you know, every year they made the playoffs when he was in Toronto and he was the only guy. Yeah, that's why <clears throat> Dwayne Wade's a superstar. You know, he won a title by himself. You know, he had Shaq, but Shaq averaged less than 10 points per game in the finals. Like, nobody remembers that. Um, yeah, but his teams, when he was the only dude, consistently made the finals and were competitive in, you know, whatever round they got knocked out. LeBron, same thing. Every year, he kept making the playoffs. Russell Westbrook drags that team to the playoffs and has that kind of number. Like, James Harden, the couple years beforehand, kept dragging his team. I never put Gordon into that category and he shouldn't and i hey and i never put (laughs) Kyrie into that category either until lebron got there because that team was basically the same team outside of they swapped kevin love in there but Kyrie's team when he was by himself for those first few years never made it to the playoffs they were like bottom tier lottery number one draft pick yeah Yeah. and don't get me wrong Kyrie now is legit superstar but he's still in that like fourth or fifth tier of players. Like, I take him probably sixth or seventh out just as a point guard. There's a lot of other point guards I take ahead of him. But that's the superstar. My, my definition is somebody, regardless of his supporting cast, can drag his team to the playoffs. And, yeah, I get it. It's easier in the East. It's a lot uh, fewer teams. That's why that Gordon went the to the East. Yeah, I believe it, too. Is Zach Randolph a superstar? No. See, Zach, I, I put Zach Randolph there. was never... Zach Randolph is a great player, but no. If he were a Laker or a Celtic, would he get? Because he'd Aww. get that media push, he'd get that shoe push. Yeah, but Zach Randolph was well known inside, you know, basketball circles. Maybe he would have got a bigger push from the general fan base, but no, he was never a super duper star. Because you could make the argument he was never even the best player on that team. With Conley, yeah. With Conley and Gasol, mm-hmm. yeah. So now speaking of point guards. You have <laughs> now. This is about the Rockets. This is about the Rockets. Uh, this, I'm not going there. Chris Paul. Don't worry. So you have that's the thing. Chris Paul and then James Harden. How do you see that working out? Really well. You got two guys that can create their own shot at any given moment if they want to. You don't think there's going to be any kind of no. controversy? I get the last no. shot. I get this. You're shooting too much. I'm the star of the team. No, because you know James fits the way that basketball's played. He could use somebody to take the load off and create his own shot when he needs it and also create shots for himself and everybody else. And Chris Paul is a natural point guard that wants to basically 
distribute and not, you know, run the team from a standpoint of getting everybody else involved and then taking off when he needs to. I think it's going to work great. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs, but, you know, they're going to put up ridiculous efficiency numbers in the regular season. It's going to be crazy. I just hope that Harden's dribble from the half-court line and then catching it at the three-point line and driving (laughs) doesn't go away. Oh, it won't. Good. It won't. That's the most amazing move ever. (laughs) Yeah. He actually, Russell Westbrook pulled off the most impressive feat I've ever seen with my own eyes because, Back in the day, we used to be able to sit on the floor, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we would film those jazz games. Stupid LeBron. No, it wasn't LeBron. It was He's... Paul George, the one that – that's what really happened. It was the Paul George incident pushed everything and accelerated it, wherein he broke his legs in the you know, getting See, ready I heard for the it was World Championships. LeBron got cut over his eye from well, the camera. That was the like, – That's you the know, starting that point. Was the, that was the notable because, you know, that's the best player in the league and it's been the best player since Jordan. And, and then hurt. Todd and Masuda says, tripping yeah. a referee. And he that says something. One. He can say something like he did to the NBA app. Like, hey, I don't like how the stats show my points first, not my efficiency numbers, NBA. Can we get that updated on the app? And guess what? 24 hours later, it was it's updated. updated. So, like, he says something. The league's gonna, It's a player's league, so the league's going to pay attention. But then the follow-up a month later was Paul George doing the – you know, grotesque Vegas, yeah. leg break where nobody wants to watch it. That was disgusting. Yeah, and that was on the back heels of uh, oh. the Louisville kid doing the same thing. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. Oh, I was so mad about that. Yeah, I'm a Louisville they fan. Kept yeah. showing it. Yes. And showing it. But that, oh. like, those were the two incidents back to back because I had heard some rumblings, but it, it's not like they necessarily took it away from everybody because credentialed ESPN members and NBA media members are still out there during every game. Shoot. Uh, you have a photog out there, and then you have the still photographers from NBA TV. You ever watch a game, uh, like national broadcast game, in, yeah, like, in Chicago? Like, no. in Chi- like, look at the floor. Like, there's still plenty of people. Like, at Utah, yes, they do limit it. But, like, in New York and in Cleveland and in Golden State, no. They still have just as many people they're just a little bit further back now so. sorry you mentioned uh this was a players league oh do players have too Wait. much control now no no not no, enough because steph what did lebron say steph worth Shouldn't make four two or anymore. three yeah two yeah. or three times that like no of course not like they have control over where they want to play more than they ever have because they can put a franchise in a headlock and kind of force a move but no, you're still collecting paychecks from the owners, and the owners ultimately can put their foot down, and that's the way capitalism in America works is you sign a contract, technically you got to play it out, and that's what happened with the CBA. So we'll see what happens when the next negotiating period opens, and we'll go from there. there has... But I think it's beautiful. I love super teams. I really do. I think that's the most entertaining form of basketball from the highest class that you can get. That game one of the NBA Finals in the first two quarters like was mind-boggling how skilled these players were. And they were trying. It was like an all-star game where people actually tried to play defense, too. Like, <laughs> like, like, like People were doing incredible things, and they were busting their hump to stop people from doing incredible things. And you look down, and you see Cleveland, and you see Golden State, and they're both tearing it up out there, right? Yeah. But then... You look down at the score, and then you're like, damn, Golden State up 20? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. That's just how good they are. And you know, the thing is, they shoot so well, and their defense is underrated, and they get caught up in doing their thing. And it's those mini 8-point, 10-point strings where you blink, and you go, oh, man, I got I to gotta keep scoring with them. And it's beautiful because I think more natural skilled players are going to come and play instead of the – isolated rebounders, shot blockers. You got to be multifaceted. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game three in Cleveland when it was tight all the way and they made that late push. I love skillful games, and I appreciate the NBA so much more because the ball is supposed to go in the basket. That's why I hate watching college basketball because more times than not, the ball doesn't go in the basket. And I'm like, what? 
No. Like, <laughs> but, they're, so, but they're yeah. actually running plays and doing things out there. You don't want to see that? So is the NBA. You know, like, I understand there's a lot of free flow, but there's, like, listen to Steve Kerr and see all the motion offenses and things like that. They just do it at such a more rapid pace that it feels like background basketball or, you know, backyard basketball, however you want to call it. But all these movements and all these backdoor cuts and all these like fades and all like all these things are practiced and gone over and over and over and developed. And then, yeah, you see something as iconic as the Spurs hammer play where, you know, the elevator doors close and things like that. And everyone's like, oh, they finally ran a play. Well, no, that's just a specific play. They know they're going to get X amount of looks off of. You can only run that so often. Mm-hmm. And when you have people with a wide range of skills as, say, Golden State, or you look at the motion offense that Quinn Snyder runs, like, it's definitely there. It's an orchestra where everybody is running and playing their part to a precision. Like, that's just the way the game works, and because they're so big and they're so fast. It's the system that develops the shots, yeah. Yeah, it's so big and so fast, and these things are happening, you know, and you could seriously see six different plays and resets in a 24-second shot clock. It's hard to, like, kind of comprehend unless you're really looking for it because not a lot of people are looking for it. They're looking for the entertainment value. I'm looking for a full court press. I still can't no. get a full court press in no. the NBA. I'm like, you guys are down. Can yeah. we press? No, you know why? You know why it only works for Rick Pitino at Louisville? <laughs> <laughs> because Rick Pitino is making a lot more money than everybody who was playing at Louisville. When he tried to bring that to the Celtics, you know how long that lasted? It didn't. It, it didn't. Exactly. Like, there's a reason the full court press does not work. I need to see. It just makes me mad because I'm just like, yo, if you were to just Get up there and press right now. Y'all could get yeah. some points to get I'm back. Pretty, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry would figure it out after doing that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd be able to figure it out. Oh, like, they're in a 1-3-1? One, one? <laughs> I'm I'm fi- don't worry about it, guys. We'll get a couple I got. I'm going to just shoot from right here. Yeah. <laughs> so let me go back to this super team theory. I remember towards the end of NBA Commissioner David Stern's reign where he talked about globalizing the NBA and reducing the number of teams and having super teams. So you'd have a team in London, a team in Paris, a team in New York, Philadelphia, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see the NBA going towards that concept, even if it just no. stays in North America? No, just because. Because um, do you think fans are going to continue to show up in the yes. Utahs and the Memphis, these hardcore basketball fans, if they can't compete? Oh, yeah, because there's another dynamic that's built in a small town like this. You know, you got Giannis. You got Giannis out in Milwaukee, and he, you know, has got an argument to make the leap to be a top ten player coming into next year. And they drafted him, and then he's one of their own. And that's the dynamic of like, oh, we could do something. Maybe this is our time to invest. And look, LeBron, they're in the East, and LeBron's coming down. He's got to be on the de- decline in the next three, four years. What's going to happen? We could be that next team because all you really are, one injury away from playing in the finals and you got a legit shot. Like, I get it. Like, KD went down for, what, three, four months? Wasn't supposed to be back in time for the playoffs. Like, that team's definitely not, you know, the super monsters that they were mm. <laughs> at the end of the year if he's not healthy. And, st- and look, the Warriors lost the title two years ago because Steph got hurt in the playoffs. Like, you can, ne- you never know what happens. And, Every once in a while, an owner's going to look at the landscape and they're going to say, okay, we're going to go for it this year. And sometimes it works out and it's worth it, and sometimes it doesn't. And that's where you build loyalty from a fan base. And the people in Milwaukee are still going to show up, and the people in Philadelphia are still going to show up because we've got three number one draft pick, you know, number one overall picks in a row. Like, at some point, this is going to pan out for us. And just like the Utah Jazz fans showed back up this last year, like they started to slowly get back into it the year before. And then I was at game, what was it, game five for the Clippers mm-hmm. series. That place was packed. I was there too. And that, or no, game four. Game four it was packed when they were down 2 1, Aaron Rockin'. Mm-hmm. Like that was so Wait, much fun. Game five is when they lost, right? Yeah. In yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I was know, there. In a, no, game five, no. they won in LA. 
they lost game six at home, and then they won game yeah, seven. Yeah, okay, I was at game so six. They, I was at game four when they were down 2-1. And that place was jumping. It was a Sunday, too. And, like, everybody's worried about, in the professional setting, can't play on Sunday, can't play on Sunday. People are going to come out for playoff games on Sunday. Like, there's enough support throughout this state that it doesn't matter. I think so, RSL's shown that, too. There's been a lot of Sunday has. games, we, and uh, the turnout's phenomenal. The ter- turnout's been phenomenal uh, the first year. Last year, it dipped down towards the end of the year, <clears throat> and then we haven't had a Sunday game this year, mm. which we asked not to have a Sunday game. Really? So, yeah. Sometimes you can manipulate the schedule sure. a little bit. You Is know? that you? Because we know you're no, the man behind a lot no, of things. No. Is that you like, I got plans I on Sunday. Uh, can we not have a I game? I don't like to take credit for most things. <laughs> I definitely don't want to take the blame for that one. <laughs> I'm just going to tell people, I know the reason why uh, there are no Sunday games. Big so. ups to AC and LL Cool Trey. Those, those two right there. Real Salt Lake has a big game coming up on Monday, exhibition game, Manchester Giant United. Game. Why it's is cool. that game so big for the fans? Uh, it's you know, one of the three biggest sports teams in the world. Like I, when you think about it, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United are literally the three biggest sports properties in the entire world. Um, it's like if the Yankees and the Cowboys had a baby. You know, like that'd like, be an that, ugly baby. Be, but like that's what it is for like the American sports. That'd be an yeah. ugly baby uh-huh. coming out looking like Tony Romo Jeter, <laughs> something like that. You need to Photoshop uh, us a picture of yeah. that so we can post it. And so the aura, you know, Manchester United hasn't been the upper upper tier from a result standpoint, but they still spend more money. They're worth more money. And then everybody but two, you know, Real Madrid is clearly the the number one team in the world from not only a result standpoint, but from a revenue and interest standpoint. And then Barca and Manchester United are on that same tier. And you're going to have people and history walk in and it's just going to be an aura, the gravity of even having some of these representatives show up and the way they carry themselves and the way they dress and how they talk and their expectations. It's just, uh, it's very eye-opening. Now, we it's a big game, mm-hmm. but Mike, Coach Mike Petke today, <laughs> kind of laying it down, talking about we're already looking ahead to Portland. Of course, because like at the end of the day, it's a game where the results don't matter. Mm-hmm. And if Utah likes anything, it's, Buy one, get one free. (laughs) Or just free. And they care about their sports teams in meaningful games. Like, people are going to show up because it's a a once-in-a-lifetime event and you don't get to see the Pogbas of the world walk in the door. Uh, And these, you know, De Gea and the goalkeeper and the... All the Roonies who were supposed to be here in the Zlatan. Sorry, guys. Mm. Apologize if they're not coming either. Um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, and the Jose Morenos. These are people that have done it at the top level. Like, that's awesome. It's a one-time event. And people are going to come out. And it's going to be cool for us as a staff and the players on the field. It's going to be kind of like an eye-opening experience. Like, wow, like, Jao Plata's countryman, Valencia, is the right back. And his eyes lit up like, oh, like I, you know, I dream of playing with that guy. And so it's a once in a lifetime experience. The only person that maybe downplays it even mentally is Kyle because he played Germany in the World Cup, you know, like, 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 and he played Ronaldo in the World Cup. But even he appreciates it. And Nick and those guys. He smiles on those big games. Of course, because, you know, like he says, you understand the score lines going around the world. Like yeah. people who have never heard of Real Salt Lake are going to see the score get Manchester United blank, Real Salt Lake blank. Huh? I wonder who this is. So, yeah, there's going to be pride that plays into it. And it's going to be cool because Pecky lines up against Mourinho. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, that's oh, a- yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, a- technically a game that actually counts towards their MLS seasons two days after. So does Manchester United pick Salt Lake City for altitude training, or 
What's the strategy from them and for coming here? Honesty, or honesty is the best policy here. But I was gonna say, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. TBH. God, that's bad. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been staring at social media for a long time, and it has ruined my grammar. Me ruined, too. Yeah, it's ruined my text message skills. Sometimes it just randomly pops up in the way I speak. It's bad. He did. Um, but uh, we've built a good reputation. Um, over the course of a few years, Real Madrid in 2008, uh, Inter Milan, uh, our facilities are good. We treat the people right. Uh, the stadium's packed out. And, yeah, the elevation helps. And then with what's going on out in Harriman, like now you're going to have a world-class training facility for these teams. It's their preseason. So, like, they're just kind of getting their sea legs under them, and it helps because you get to play somebody that's not of – the same color jersey, which is nice because you've already memorized their tendencies three weeks into preseason, like everybody does. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see a different competition. You get to see a different type of style of play. And then it preps um, for, like, Inter Milan and uh, Manchester United. They play the International Champions Cup, which is, like, you know, a trophy that technically they could win, and it's nice for them to keep. So Is the skill set drastically different? between a Premier League team and an MLS team? Um, or is it just height and size? and? Eh, it's a little bit of everything. It's, you know, you look at the money that is spent on their top-tier players and where they come from, like a soccer background, and they spend more in one week on their roster than we do in like the next three or four years. Like like it's just, that's the separation is like, you're talking about top tier talent in kids that are groomed to play soccer from the time that they're age six and eight. And it's like the Academy systems and all that kind of stuff. And you can argue that, and most do from an MLS standpoint, it's not the top tier of the players that separates like MLS and the bigger leagues like, you know, Liga MX and uh, the Premier League. It's like players four through 15. So bench players, yeah. Well, for the, the, it's the middle of yeah. the rosters, like you like to say. And because Kyle was the best player for the United States in a World Cup in the group stage. And, like, you know, it's pretty well known. Like, so you're talking about a dude that played against Ghana, uh, Portugal, and Germany and was the best player for that team, and they advanced out of that group. Like, okay, so that guy was on Real Salt Lake. Like, you know, you can say you can go toe-to-toe with the biggest and the best. Yeah. But that's just one player. Like, you know, like you look at – uh, Ma- who Manchester United has on their roster, Real Madrid. And Ronaldo, you know, is backed up by Jaime Rodriguez, who is worth like $200 million a year. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the separation and the difference. And it's the soccer culture from a standpoint of when they play and how it gets separated into spring and fall and how they've been conditioned on that and the little breaks and the training, you know, the training that they've had from not only a year standpoint, but the facilities that they've had that people are catching up on the American system. Like, you're catching up on not only, like, tactics and styles and things like that, but you're catching up on kids growing up in the academy with professional coaches, like, that's the biggest change is like in 20 years now, you're going to have academies all over the country where kids from the time they were six and could, you know, dribble a ball have been getting schooled by people that make decent money to dribble a ball with both feet and play like this and play like this. So, you know, give America 20 years and we'll see where the league's at. Brit- Brittany and I were talking with Kenneth Scott a little while ago, and he was saying that a lot of his friends and football family members would have picked soccer had soccer been a big option when they were little. Well, Do you see that? Oh, it, totally. Yeah, yeah, I think too. it's totally a vile is one of my big things. Cause I, depending on the, I guess, um, generation of athletes, either the NBA or 
Major League Soccer or soccer in general will be the biggest sport in this country. Um, I think it comes down to the science of American football and how my generation, who's you know going to be having kids in the next you know decade or so, will never let their kids play because you know the damage that American football brings, and that's going to be a lot of intelligent folks. You know, the more <laughs> that research comes out, that's going to take a hit. Um, baseball is something that it's expensive to play. Like really. There, you got to pay for a glove. You got to pay play for a ball and a bat, and then you need outside weather. Outside weather, you need a place to play, and then you need ten other kids to play. You know, you can play catch, but like all you need for basketball and for uh, soccer is a ball. Like in however many you can play, and you can play with yourself all day, juggling and things like that, or shooting on a hoop. Um, I think it's a viable option now because people domestically are growing up with it so it's always on tv or if you're growing up in salt lake city or the other 20 some odd cities around the country it's there it's in your part of your community it's not just a way to get to college anymore you can look at it and say oh there's a minor league where i can make x amount of dollars oh there's a major league where i can make x amount of dollars and i can be a part of that um and it's only going up and growing do you enjoy college soccer um, nah, I just don't see a lot of it, uh-huh. to be honest with you. Um, like, I follow it from a standpoint of I know where our academy kids are at okay. that are be potential RSL players one day, and um, I pay attention to the academy soccer. Uh, one of us will probably be going down to the national semifinals in Carson on Friday. Um, but it's a game that is still viable because you see players get drafted and have success in the league, not as uh, on an abundant basis as it used to happen back in the day. But right now, you know, Kyle Lahren, who's probably one of the best strikers in the league, you know, he was a draft pick out of Connecticut, you know. So the guy that started the at right back last year in the All-Star game was a rookie yeah, coming out, you know, like our kid Jose. Pac-12's producing some good players. Jose too. Hernandez yeah. is on RSL, Pac-12 Player of the Year. He's had some good moments. I just don't think like the league is changing so much so quickly in MLS with the influx of money and the quality of players that are being strung out throughout the roster. It's very hard for somebody to come in and make an immediate impact. You got to learn the game, yeah. It happens. The kid from Atlanta, the uh, midfielder's playing well. And, but, like, it just is not as frequent anymore. Now, this match coming up on Monday, for someone who doesn't really watch soccer like that, compare this match to something else. Like, it'd be an NBA team playing a college team or just the <laughs> dream. Oh, like, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. I would just say it'd be like, it's like the Lakers showing up in town. Like, that's the way I would put it. Like, you're talking about a rich story club with a lot of history and always that showtime element of big personalities, big game. That's the way I would say. Like, the Lakers are coming into town, but it's, you know, a The good Lakers. Yeah, Yeah, but it's like a European Lakers, somebody that, like, has that kind of aura in the town good lakers they're gonna be great this year yeah i don't know about that (laughs) anyway so we're not gonna go there but i'm just gonna drop that and just say that they're gonna be there uh big baller (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's uh move on so uh what acquisitions has the team made during the summer and what else do you think they're planning to do uh i I, me and uh, the front office have too good of a relationship for me to leak anything like that. Uh, Especially on such a low-level you know, show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this no. is a high level. We dropping dimes. Go ahead and drop that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to drop my pencil on the way out. <laughs> um, no, it, to be honest, this is how I gain so much trust with the front office is they'll be like, these are the X amount of people that are potential. And I got tired of making videos that would never get played because, you know, things happen. Mm. It's in what's different about soccer. It's a global game. So like you, like people are in America, like for the NBA, there's maybe three, there's three teams after Gordon. 
there's like 17 teams that can pay a various amount of monies and offer various different type of lifestyles and various different type of styles of soccer after the same player. So like you could go all the way down the line and then all of a sudden something falls through because a Brazilian team offers four times what you were offering. And you're like, wow, oh, oh yeah, okay. You know, like, I, yeah, <laughs> Y'all I, got I, this I, one. I get it. So what I tell the front office is I was like, I can't, I don't know their names. I definitely have a habit of mispronouncing, you know, like Brittany Johnson. I might call her like Brittany Johansson just because that's my kind of MO with like how I pronounce names. I just slaughter them consistently. <laughs> and so I was like, give me three days. When something's happening in three days, let me know everything I need to know. I will send you a plan of how we're going to do it and how we're going to debut this this kid, this player, and that's how things will work. So, and so they go, okay. So, like, I don't, I don't get to be in the loop anymore. Like, it's beautiful. I'm so, like, less stressed at home because I have friends that are soccer fans that are like, hey, will you guys sign in a Messi? Or <laughs> Just get you drunk. On? That's all they got to yes, do. <laughs> uh, what about this Ronaldo guy? He's pretty good. Like, you know, and uh, I used to play at Koi, and I would know a lot of things that, didn't happen for months at a time or yeah, like, and it would stress me out because you just want to tell someone or no, I just didn't want to slip up or anything. And now I'm just, I can't tell you, dude. Like, (laughs) like, I don't know, man. I think he's got a first and a last name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's what's happening? The culture of the RSL fan base. I love. Like, uh, my favorite of male sporting event to work is an RSL game. Big ups to RSL yeah. Nation. It's, how, how does that develop in such a short period of time? Because um, they, they got their fight songs. They got the drummers. Everyone's Brandon engaged. changed the game when, yeah. he did the, when he brought that mantra into uh, RSL, the Believe chant. It's something that we're famous for. You know, Portland's got the army. Uh, we have... The uh, belief chant and it's something everybody in the league knows, and uh, they were very successful for a really long time. Like, and they moved into a soccer-specific stadium, and it was a melting pot because you got families that grew, you know, with kids playing soccer now, kids that you know decided to stop being athletes, but they grew up playing soccer and they liked an outlet. And you got, you know, ex-jocks, you got people with tattoos, you've got families you've got single people you just have people that are entertained and it's outside and it's beautiful it's in a nice part of the season and then being a sports fan is rewarding when people win yeah. <laughs> like like i i hated being a charger fan i'm not anymore because uh, they moved uh, yeah but like <laughs> It was very frustrating being a Charger fan because, like, why care about something that's going to make you mad all the time? Yeah. Like, and that's the ups and downs of being a sports fan. I get that. And, like, you're allowed to have down years. But RSL from 2009 to, you know, 2015 were, you know, going to the playoffs as a top three seed. And they made runs to four title games. And they won one. And let's be frank, nobody in town had won anything in a really long time or been close to winning anything. Like, the Jazz had 96-97, and then before that, and, you know, Urban's team was good, and the 2008 team was good, and then but it wasn't like they were contending for a title. Yeah, just the Lady Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then before that, it was like, you know, been 30-some-odd years since BYU won anything. So... When people have that tantalizing object of being a champion in something, people are going to attach themselves to it. And then you go and you end up meeting like-minded people and you get to sit there and you scream outside and you get to enjoy the chance and it's enterta- it's an entertaining product and yeah, the mountains are right there and it's a beautiful electric it's a great event. product. It's, it's an fantastic. electric event. Yeah. It's like once you're there, it buzzes for the two hours. And that's it's not like going to an NBA game where they literally want to keep you entertained with music or promos all 20, like for two straight hours. 
Like you can breathe, you can walk around, you can go and grab a beer, you can go grab food, you can go into a different section, you can be a hooligan, you can go and just sit down and relax. There's a, but at the same time, there's always just a positive electric air to that stadium. And I've been around, I've been fortunate enough to go to every stadium in the league the last three years because I've been traveling with these guys. And there's, you know, Rio Tinto Stadium, there's Portland is its own thing. It's beautiful. I love Portland. You got to give it to them. Seattle's cool because they put 50,000 people the in there. Diehard soccer fans up there. Toronto is really cool, especially with their renovation. Orlando's really cool because we played in, six, in front of 60,000 people in the home opener. They filled the bowl. And, and like, but, you know, I've been to Houston when there's been 5,000 people in a stadium and it sucks. Yeah. Like, it's not fun to play in. Like, you can hear the players yelling at each other and like you can hear the coach yelling at the players or when they like, you know, like Dallas is like that too. And there's certain stadiums like Chicago is like that before they got Schweinsteiger. <laughs> like it's not entertaining and it's kind of, you're like, Oh, I can understand why somebody's kind of like a soccer hater. But then you go to one of the other stadiums, like why wouldn't anybody like this game? Like it's yeah. fun and it's difficult too. Like everybody played youth soccer. Like, I could kick a ball to you right now, and it's hard to, like, just stop and trap and kick it the right way or with the right foot. And they hurt, too. Uh (laughs) So as the digital director, you've got a lot going on, so much to capture in a game. How do you make sure you're capturing what you are supposed to or want to? I've got some really talented people that I work with. Um, Do you script games? I do script games. I shot sheet games. Um... I learned at ABC4 how to shoot soccer, and that's the hardest part, is soccer is a very difficult game to follow. The ball moves much quicker in your camera than you could ever anticipate until you start doing it. And there's a rhyme and a reason to why you stay on certain shots. And you can look around the league and, like, I'll pat ourselves on the back. Like, I only compare us to L.A., Orlando, and Atlanta, Atlanta now. But, like, there's some people in the league that literally can't follow the ball and they work for a team. And, like, like, it's not, it doesn't make, it doesn't compute to me. And then when I got to RSL, I learned from the best. Uh, There's a guy named Nick Lamping uh, who left us mid last year. He was the best editor, videographer I've ever seen uh, from a standpoint of the dude made entertainment no matter what was happening. And we started having a game plan, and uh, you kind of started learning how to tell stories that weren't just when the ball went in the goal or when it didn't go in the goal. And so uh, he expanded the way I looked at the game of soccer and the way the club values needed to kind of be presented. And I ended up lucking out and hiring two really good people, Bobby Hitz, who I'm sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, and then – I lucked out by uh, having Nick Ramondo come upstairs and saying, hey, man, I know this girl, family friend. She's just graduating college. She wants to work in soccer. Can you give her an internship? I said, yeah. And I had Delia Moresco fall in my lap. And, I, you know, she's so good she doesn't realize it yet. And when she does, she'll be running some she'll be running a company within three, four years. Like I always joke with her that she's going to end up being the president of Real Salt Lake and being <laughs> my boss at some point, you know, like, eh, so you luck out with talented people that are motivated as well. And so. I think the job you talked about being motivated when you are probably, I, I don't know the company of Real Salt Lake, but it seems like you guys have a good thing going on there. So when you have something good, people want to do great things. People are more inclined to go, the extra mile we've got good people that care about their work and it's something like being in tv where your work is judged on a public basis mm-hmm. like i misspell something yeah you know, on social media a thousand people let me know about it in like two minutes you know yeah. or like you can't just mindlessly do anything like you have to be conscious of not only you're representing yourself as a human because you have a bar that you set yourself but i'm representing the entire real salt like club which represents you know the players the staff the organization like that's what our the digital has become is like you are the voice 
of mm-hmm. a club. And so I I don't take that lightly when writing anything, cutting anything, publishing anything, responding on anything on social media like that like that's too heavy of a burden for me just to nonchalantly write something. Do you get to enjoy it? Your job? Oh, yeah, I enjoy it all the time. I always try to smile and kind of breathe in like wherever we travel to. Mm-hmm. Cuz I wanted to like when I was growing up, there's three things that I thought were cool because people cared about them passionately and talked about them with their friends and their family, and that was politics, religion, and sports. I chose sports because at the end of the day, it's, you know, the thing that matters the least. Like, it's a game. But you and I are sitting here chatting, all of us, because we love sports and it's something for people to rally around and in today's day and age, you kind of need an escape every once in a while with what's going on, on like a world perspective. And so I enjoy it because I'll have some knucklehead 19, 20-year-old kid that I enjoy, like Danny Acosta or Justin Glad, ask me about something, and they get geeked out because, you know, ESPN asked me to do an interview. And you see like just like the pure joy in their face. It's like, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. Where you're sitting there and you watch a game in LA and somebody scores and thirty thousand people just kind of shut up and you got your crew of players running around and that's all that you can hear in the stadium like oh that's pretty cool or you got sixty thousand people show up to watch a team that you're covering and you're a part of and you're like oh wow like this is like this is cool like I enjoy it or when something goes viral on social media it's always fun so. Are you going to be like the person, whoever posted it for the Jazz, and tweet out a picture of Rudy Gobert oh, and then delete that it real quick? so interesting to me. Are you going to do that? Oh, I love that so much. Oh, that was like, because I know most of the Jazz folks, but they've had some turnover on that mm-hmm. side of things lately. A lot of things. A lot of things, but like on the digital side, and so... Coming, speaking from experiences, like there's like a club brand values that you try <laughs> to exhibit on social media because social media is a lot of things. It's entertainment, it's news, it's PR, it's your voice to the fans, the way you connect with your fans, the way you connect with people from a national perspective, the way you connect with people on a local perspective. It's pretty much an all-encompassing gig so you can have some light-hearted fun and that can be your mantra you can be the LA Galaxy where you're gonna poke fun and like you're gonna let people say some things to you and you say some things back and at the end of the day you're just gonna sit there and have a laugh or you have a dynamic where you're building off of a mantra and a brand that's a little bit more serious so certain entities play a certain role like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are all different platforms for us, and they're used very specifically for the club. Mm. Like, not everything that makes it to Instagram makes it to Twitter, vice versa, you know? So when the Jazz did that, I was watching because I was watching the local media and the Jazz-affiliated local media turn on him. And it was so interesting because you could tell that they got tipped off that it might be going that way. And, you know, you get an article here, you get a tweet here, you get, like, some jokes here. (laughs) Because, like, I respect the day-to-day beat writers. And they understand, like, the difference between reporting and then also making some, like, you know, casual jokes. And so Jody does that really well. Kamrani was the best beat writer in Major League Soccer, and he did it really well. And then Aaron does it well, and Andy does it well. But it's okay, because at the end of the day, we all got into sports because we enjoy sports, right? Like, that's the best part about being working in sports is, like, I grew up loving basketball or football. Now I get to, you know, go cover this and somebody pays me. Like, it's kind of like, oh, I can't believe this. However, there is a certain professional line that social media is kind of blurred. Or people in, like, MLS who work for the league are taking selfies with certain star players. And I'm like, that's not okay. Mm. Like, uh, like, that's not journalistic integrity. Like, there has to be the professional voice. Like, there's a difference between Dunny 
taking a selfie with Alexi Lawless because he played with him, and he's a quote-unquote journalist and talent versus somebody that gets paid by the LA Times or MLSsoccer.com to take a selfie or take a, like, freak out over David Villa. Yeah. Like, you have to just, like, keep calm and understand that journalism does have ethics. It does have codes, and you can't break them or everybody on the internet thinks that they can do the same thing, and that's what the blog atmosphere has brought into it. Bill Simmons paved the way for everybody, and now everybody thinks they're Bill Simmons. <laughs> like, yeah. he Without could, the talent. He, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah he, he, like he birthed 20 million Bill Simmons, and some of them have turned out to be actual analysts. And I'm not saying fans don't know or understand the game, and there aren't websites like basketballbreakdown.com or, you know, like people that have started. Chris Mannix was a ball boy. And now, you know, he was the top writer at SI and now works for the Vertical and host Dan Patrick. He's got his own radio show. Like, he went through But, like, Chris Mannix isn't doing the things that some, you know, local local blogger do. And there's been a couple of examples in Salt Lake City where people I enjoy cross the threshold and they got some heat for it. And, and they still have ready it. for it. And still have it. Yeah. So, it's... Very interesting because you can't delete the internet. And trust me, these players know who you are. Like, they know what you're tweeting. They know what you're posting on Instagram. They know what you're posting on Facebook. And the best thing about our situation at RSL is we're still a small organization. And they know what my team and I'm doing and sometimes they'll say something cool like, hey, I, heard your, like, I saw your girl got a job. That's awesome. Congratulations. And then they'll be like, hey, man, what's up with that tweet, dude? <laughs> like, hey, like, come on, man. Like, you know. Do you worry? Is that a struggle for you? Because it certainly is with me in terms of finding your P's and Q's on. Oh, yeah. I've definitely backed off of my own personal social media completely um, because I realized that. One, I live on social media for the most part, and my voice is heard through a much bigger audience through other channels every day. So I don't feel the need to do things on my own social. I still do go on, like, you know, Tyler's Thought Dump Thursdays, where, like, literally you'll see a bunch of stuff just pop up because things have been on my mind, and I value the team account where I don't put any personal thoughts on it or anything like that, like, I might make a personal joke uh, in the way I present something that's, like, more humorous to me than it is most people, but I never, like, you know, I'm never tweeting out my own thoughts on anything from the RSL entities. I will from the handle that's my own personal account, and usually it's more about life than it is about soccer. Mm. Outside of, like, fans, like, relax, like, it's going to be all right. Like, if I can tell our fans anything from, like, a personal standpoint is, yeah, these guys care a lot. But they're mean they're not... sometimes, too. Oh, of course you know, they are. Like, I remember the whole Jeff Cesar thing, and, you know, I was watching those feeds on Instagram, and it's like, at some point, it's like, dude, you can't do this. He's got a family. Oh, he's got a family. People yeah. don't he's care. A, well, he's a, that's the thing is everybody's anonymous nowadays. Yeah. And everybody has a voice, and they all think they're – voice and opinions matter and i'm not saying they don't trust me i get it i wholeheartedly understand the passion that it takes to be a fan and the investment it makes and the waste that you feel when you feel like let down or disappointed or something's not working like i threw something when you know 2010 nba finals and Dwayne wade didn't hit a jump shot (laughs) and yeah like i remember like throwing something and like punching it like and making a hole in the wall at the house i was at like i get it like i cried when kurt gibson hit that home run no like you know my chargers and padres will forever suck and that's okay yo but the padres got a dope stadium (laughs) padres stadium is and i get the disconnect and I get and the, the best thing about Utah is they're passionate and they love their they love their sports teams and they expect great things and I'm totally okay with it. 
and yeah, we expect great things too. And sometimes it just doesn't pan out. And sometimes stuff doesn't pan out and it's not anybody's fault. Like, like yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think that's the big thing is like, sometimes like a player, like notable players sometimes move on <laughs> because nothing to do with the club and the stuff behind the scenes was made. So that person could have stayed and everything that you could have ever wanted was offered, but it still is better for the person and his family or any X, Y, and Z personal reasons that he goes somewhere else. Like, And that's what fan bases don't understand, and I see it from an insider perspective, is like, well, I can't, I can't tell him why this happened because, you know, like I'm not going to put somebody's business out there like that. And we don't, as a club, you always have to take the high road. Mm. And I know some people who are listening will be like, "Oh, that's not what the guy on Twitter does." Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I like there's that multiple voice. people. Uh, <laughs> there's not like, look, like I get it. We have passionate people that work for the club that expect the same results and do get frustrated too. And sometimes an inappropriate tweet is sent out, and I apologize for all that kind of stuff. It doesn't happen very often. Social media is a beautiful thing. I really understand its value, and I really understand its outlet for fans because you can feel like you're keeping up with them on a day-to-day basis that with the way media is changing right now isn't as reliable on from outside media. As we start to close up here, what does an RSL fan look forward to in the second half of the season oh the kids are the kids are back yeah they're finally getting healthy and they're getting comfortable with pecky's style and you saw it you know on fourth of july like they almost had their choice i I call it their choice 18 because i tell people i've been watching soccer for five years in a box about as big as my fist. Like, I don't watch what happens until I go back and watch the replays of the game. And I mostly watch it for, like, broadcast stuff because I'm like, oh, I missed that sponsor. Oh, DJ called a good game. Ah, Dunny, one-liner. <laughs> yeah, which he's always got. I'm usually watching it for that kind of stuff. So I'm not necessarily as big as a, like, soccer kind of sewer of, like, oh, this guy is really good or he's got a great first touch. But I can tell when people are in rhythm because the ball moves a certain way in my camera when I'm shooting it. The ball has moved in a much different way the last two weeks. And the last, you know, if you go roll all the way back three weeks or so than it has when Mike first took over. And now Albert's back. We don't have anybody on international duty. The kids are back. They just signed, you know, they just signed uh, Silva, who, you know, is going to compete. And Nick's still really, really good. And once you get a bunch of healthy bodies playing in a way that they kind of understand where they're supposed to be, you saw what happened in L.A. and you've seen what has happened at home where they dominated possession for, you know, 60, 70% of the time. And they've got eight games out of 12 or 14 at home, I think. I think they need to go, yeah, like, I think they got, like, 12 games left, and they got eight at home. Yeah, it gets busy. Yeah, they're pretty good at home, too. So, it, it like, there's a lot of young talent out there, and there's a lot of guys that are fighting, and they're looking around, and they want to change it. These guys, those guys care. That's the other thing. Like people write us, like, oh, they just don't see any heart. Like, no, do the voice again. Oh, I just don't see any heart out there. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, you know, I've been on some quiet bus rides where literally people don't say anything after the result because they're disappointed and they know they're like they're sad and they don't they understand it's not good enough and they understand they play in a public position, like. They're graded by the public because their public is watching what's happening with their own eyes, and now they're giving opinions. So it'll be fun to watch because I think they're figuring stuff out, and the Salvarino is really, really good. 
so is Brooks and so is Plata. Like it's like it'll be fun. It'll be really fun. How old are you? I just had a birthday. I turned forty seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you ever seen that? Ben- yeah, right. You ever seen Benjamin Button? No. I got that Benjamin Button. Oh, disease. but I've, I've seen the I've seen the commercial, so he goes backwards. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I look like I'm 19, but I'm really 47. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we know you're on the younger side. So you can't ask that, Brittany yeah. Johnson. What? Yeah. Yes, I am, because it goes into my next point. I'm also six eight. <laughs> for some of the for some of the people that want to get in your position, some people in college, all that kind of stuff, what's some advice that you can give them because you like I said, you're not telling me how old you are, but you seem young and you're very successful. Show up every single day. If you really want this, you got to show up and I can count on a calculator how many relationships I've lost because of it how many friendships have splintered because I've chosen you know to go cover a high school girls basketball game instead of going out for drinks on Friday night or Saturday morning Um, I've worked 70 hours a week for probably the last seven years that's my biggest advice is if you really want something show up every day and if you don't know how to do something and somebody asks you to do it do it anyways and figure it out on the fly yep that's the best way that's the best it's not the best way to learn but if you're in that position they're not going to expect much from you and your hands-on position in your hands-on learning is going to give you a leg up and the more people see you that it matter the more they'll start to rely on you and that's how Delia Moresco got a job from me is she showed up from Virginia and I did not see her leave the office for four straight months. Every time I looked over my shoulder when I got back from a road trip or when I was there for a week, there's little deals hanging out, working on something, whatever I asked her to. And the talent will naturally rise to the surface, but talent's one thing, half a life is showing up and if you want something show up every day and not just every other day you're so modest you're a very talented broadcaster like i consider you a mentor of mine when i was younger in my career and i remember just watching your angles that you would use on an interview compared to everyone else in the country and you using lighting properly everyone else in the country yeah we're going to give him that much? I will give him that much. I stand right I'm behind gonna Tyler. I'm going to take it all. I'm just taking yeah. it all out right now. I stand right behind Tyler Gibbons. It. He's one of my I favorite I broadcasters I've like, We don't get many compliments. Yeah. Like, keep coming. Keep going. And, uh, <laughs> have you ever read our Facebook feed? Just kidding. I love you guys. I also, one of the things I... <laughs> I just think that you're also willing to help people, too, and I think that that goes a long way, too. Uh, thank and, you. I appreciate those kind words, yeah. and I do like helping people when it comes down to it because... I was that kid Mm. that stood around and started um, when I was 20. I got finished school and got hired after being an intern at a uh, station in Pocatello, Idaho. KPVI. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The second semester, I was doing 18 credits and being the morning show kind of morning show guy that would show up at your local bagel shop Mm, we're gonna try some bagels today and it just kind of naturally progressed but the only way you give yourself an opportunity is you take on things that other people don't want to do and i get it because life is fun and at some point you got to decide to have a dog and have a girlfriend and enjoy those you know get out and go hiking go camping but if you're young and you really want to try something do it grind you really got you grind and you give yourself an opportunity to meet people that can help you and you don't be a dick and i know sasha's going to laugh because most people There's on false his rumors about you his crew i yell sometimes <laughs> i totally admit sometimes what i sometimes i What are some of the things elevated. you yell 
Get out of my way. Sasha, what the hell do you think you're doing? Never yell at Sasha. Never yell at Sasha. Me and Sasha go way back in the day. But there are some people that, you know, are old curmudgeons, and they do things the way they do things, and they don't really care. And they have entitlement. Ooh, I'm a broadcast TV. He's just a commercial guy, you know. I'll get Are you way. talking about somebody specifically? A lot oh, of them. There's a lot of them. This How dare us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tyler, where can people follow you on social media if they want some Tyler, what you call it, throwaway uh, Thursdays? Nah, Tyler Thought Dump Thursdays. Oh. Yeah. You can take the you can take the thought out of it. Uh Tyler P. Gibbons on Twitter and Instagram if you want to follow me. You can hear a bunch of bad Drake jokes. Uh, maybe some hip hop references. Unfollow. Hey, what do you think about that new 444? You know what? I'm I'm at a loss right now because the thing is, <laughs> Jay Z he did not admit admit to cheating on yes, Beyonce. He didn't did. did admit. He did the words "I cheated on Beyonce" didn't come out, and like I'm so like upset right now because I looked at them like you guys are perfect. She's a Louisville fan and a Kobe it's, Bryant. Excuse fan. me, it's yeah. Louisville, uh, Louisville. Yeah, mm-hmm. that Louisville slugger. <laughs> but yes, you. I love the 444. A lot of people don't like it because I'm tired of hearing Jay Z just talk. No, I actually liked it because it was finally different than all of his other nonsense that he had been putting out for the last like decade, which is the same six stories that he's been telling for the last 15 <laughs> years. But no, my favorite is he just lit people up on Moonlight, all the New Age rappers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was lovely. Yeah. Well done, That Jay. and then uh, what is it? Big... The Real OJ? Uh-huh. Is, that, is that what it's called? Have you seen the uh, video for that? I haven't seen the video. For I like yet. it. But okay. yeah, it's about time because um, I'm a big... Uh, Jay-Z Cynic and I'll give you some props on this one Hove I know you've been really waiting for Tyler P. Gibbons on Twitter to come <laughs> around but uh, I get you well done there was no Becky with the good hair they're making it up no no cause in that elevator there are three she albums great hair <laughs> once that elevator hit the floor and those four walked out of that elevator three albums were born that night and you cannot deny it you cannot. <laughs> <laughs>